Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Praise the Lord. So, relationships. Can you relate? Part two. And our, our reference scripture for this is Mark 12, 29 through 31, New Century Version. It says, Jesus answered, the most important command is this. Listen, people of Israel. The Lord our God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second command is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Listen, there is no commands more important than these. Not that these are the same as some. There is no commands more important than these, than your relationship with God and your relationship with people. There's nothing more, more important than these than to have a relationship with God and a relationship with people. But how many of you know relationships are not perfect? <laughs> There's always a gap between what God expects of us and what we're actually getting. Isn't that true? Right? Failed marriages, divorce, absent parents, rebellious children, disloyal friends, gossiping churches. No, that's not us. I'm talking about out there somewhere, right? Gossiping churches. Iglesias chismosas. She's laughing. She doesn't even speak Spanish. <laughs> Gossiping churches. I have to say it in Spanish because they're really good at the gossip. But anyway, betrayal, betrayal, betrayal. Right? We can go through relationships and go back and, and even the ones that we're in. If you've been married... Six minutes. <laughs> You've already experienced something that wasn't as good as you wanted it to be. <laughs> See, there's a gap. On the other side of this gap is John 13, 34, New King James. Where it says, a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So Jesus is encouraging us on. He's telling us, you got to love one another. I give you a command. But there's such a gap between what we're experiencing and what is expected of, of us according to the Scripture. How is it possible that we could bridge this gap? You call an expert bridge builder. Jesus was an expert in relationships. He absolutely was. He would reprimand those that we would be graceful to, and he was graceful to those that we would reprimand. Come on. It's the truth. And you would think, man, why wasn't he nice to these spiritual leaders that had followed the law and they, they knew the Old Testament and, and he was kind of rough with them because he was trying to get them to repent, to change their way of thinking. He was giving them the gospel and they wanted to mix it and they wanted to pervert it and make it into something that, it's, that he didn't intend it to be. So he was tough with them. And then he's hanging out with sinners. <laughs> <laughs> Even his enemies would give him the unintended compliment by calling him friend of sinners. If you ever called me that, I would say thank you. Right? 
See, God didn't send Jesus into the world for the one that was all holy and saved and righteous. He sent Jesus into the world for the sinners. That'd be me. Right? I always say, I ain't. Because we always blame Adam and Eve, and, you know, Adam blames Eve, and then Eve, you know, back and forth. But listen, if they wouldn't have eaten, one of us would have eventually. Come on. Right? One of us would have had that conversation, and then we would have blamed our wife. It would have happened just like that, and we still do it today. <laughs> but Jesus is the only one that can help us bridge this gap. In Matthew eleven nineteen, New King James Version says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber. That must be a bad word back then. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. You know, I was, I was expressing in the first service... Uh, those of you who were here and are here again, you're going to have to hear the story again. But uh, I, we, I, I brought home somebody that my wife didn't like. Well, not that she didn't like, but it scared her and she never came out of the room. So we used to have the life group and it was, okay, I'm going to get there. Just give me a minute. That's why we don't give her a microphone when she's sitting on the front row. So, right? So this guy comes through the door. I invited him. And his head is completely shaved, and he's got snakes tattooed to his head, and they all come to the front of his face. And I'm like, yeah, it got me. Come on in. We got quesadillas. And, and we did. And he ate all our quesadillas and asked us to make more quesadillas. He wasn't shy at all. He wasn't, you know, so we made him more. We made him whatever he wanted, right? We had no idea what he had under that jacket. His motorcycle, he came up on his motorcycle, it was a, a bobber or whatever they call him, where they put all kinds of parts together. And on the side of his motorcycle, he had a, a hammer that was like this big, one of these big, I don't know where he got this hammer, but he had it. And I was like, is that to fix your bobber? And he goes, no, that's to fix anybody who comes near me. So this guy comes over, right? So anyway, we're hanging out, we feed him quesadillas. And at the end, I was like, you know, would you like to come to church? So I'm, I'm working this guy really hard. He needs Jesus, Jesus just like anybody else. So I'm working him really hard, and he says, you come to my church, I'll go to yours. I said, no problem. I said, you know, where, where, where am I meeting you? What day? So I met him at Broken Spoke Saloon. Somebody knows where that's at. Carly was the only one that, in the first service, Carly was the only one that knew. So... Right. So this is, it's in Ormond Beach, and, and it's, a, it's an open area, and there's some boarded up building in the middle where they serve drinks from. Anyway, I show up in our minivan. <laughs> Guys are on bikes, you know, long hair, and I'm, you know, my me. And I order a Coca-Cola, and you know, so everybody's looking at me. I got a little nervous, I got to admit, I got a little nervous. I'm thinking, they're going to take me out back. There's got to be a shack out there where they, they whip people like me or something. So... I sat there with him, and, 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 you know, for about an hour, we said a few words to each other, and when it was all done, I was like, okay, next Sunday, we'll see you at church, and he did. He showed up, and we, we were sitting there. He sat next to me, and he stood up. He was much taller than me. He stood up, and uh, he leans down. And he goes, I know what you're doing. I was like, what am I doing? You turn the heater on, and I was like, no, the AC's running. He goes, no, you had the AC, and now you turn the heater on to make it feel like, I said, no, sir, that's the Holy Spirit, buddy. <laughs> I said, you're actually feeling that, man. He got radically saved and became part of, I mean, it was just amazing. 
So I got story after story like that of people that we, we reached out to and we ministered to, people that we had at our dining room table that were about to get divorced and the wife gets saved, the husband gets saved a week later. I mean, we, people that we were reaching out to all the time. We were friends of sinners. And now we try to have that kind of relationship. And what's the first thing you want to know when you meet somebody for the first time? Their name and what they do. So the minute we say we're pastors of a church, boom, there's a wall. It goes right up. You know, I'd like to say something else, but, you know, I encourage people. I, uh, I don't know. I go to an empty building every year. I don't, you know, I don't know what to say anymore because it's like the minute you say that, so our opportunity for evangelism has, has gotten a lot smaller. But uh, no offense to those of you who are here who know Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him. If I had a choice this morning, I would rather be with sinners. Amen. That's a me too moment, right? That's a me too moment, right? It's not the... It's not the, uh, um, those that are whole or healed that need a, a doctor. It's the, it's the one that's sick, right? It's what Jesus said. So praise the Lord. So let's, uh, Jesus is a trailblazer, and he entirely new way of having relationships. And we're going to learn some of that in just a minute. Where we have rebuked, and I said earlier, where we may have rebuked or judged someone, he offers forgiveness. And where we may have uh, encouraged someone, he charges them or rebukes them. Look at Matthew Chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, New King James Version, it says, Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose in the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. Think about that for a moment. You're sound asleep. Right? Then his disciples came to him and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us! We're perishing! If someone wakes me up like that, I'm going to be pretty upset. I don't think I'm going to get up with a big smile going, hey, how you doing? You know, I think I'm going to be pretty upset. But he said to them, come on, why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose, got out of the sleep of his bed, you know, got up and said, he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm and the men marveled saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? He could have told them, what is, how long do I have to be? I mean, he's done this before. How long do I have to be with you guys? Oh, you have little faith. So he was kind of a little bit calm with them and, and trying to teach them and disciple them. He treated them a little differently than I would have if someone would have woken me up out of dead sleep for something that they could have done on their own. Think about that. So I would encourage you to read through the four Gospels. There's many, many stories of him relating to other people. So we're going to... We're going to move on to, um, I'm going to skip that same scripture, Kai. Uh, we're going to move on to four biblical principles to positive relationships. If we're going to have relationships, they need to be positive. What happens is that when we have a lot of negative relationships, we become bitter. And then us being bitter causes those that are around us to become bitter or to run. How many of you know you don't want to be around people who are bitter, Right. Or people who are bitter want to be around people who are bitter because, you know, misery loves company. So um, we want to be able to have positive relationships. And number one, there's actually five. I'm going to cover four today. And the fifth one I'm going to cover in two weeks on the last part of this series. Uh, number one, and you could probably guess what this is, is communication. Communication is to relationships what blood is to, is to life. It is impossible to have any kind of relationship without communication. Even the deaf and the mute communicate somehow. And if you didn't know how to do that, you could say, we're going to go eat now over there. 
Right? We would figure out we're going to get a hamburger or, you know, we're going to do, you would be able to, even if you didn't know, you would have to, eventually you would have to communicate somehow, even by pointing a finger or whatever it was. But you can't have a relationship without communication. The most important part of communication is nonverbal. Even though we need to have verbal communication, obviously, but the most important part is nonverbal. It is how well you listen. See, to be a successful communicator, you must be first a very good listener, and then you can speak clearly to whatever you have been communicated. If you're not listening, and you know, we come on, you guys, those of you who are married are going to just, don't amen this because your spouse might be sitting next to you. Your spouse is sharing with you something that they're upset about or something that that is, they're just not happy. And they may be doing it in a calm voice. They may not be yelling at you. Oh, yeah, I wish that would happen. And they, they may not be, you know, their, their ears are on, you know, smoke's coming out of their ears. They may be calm and telling you something. And right in the middle of what they're telling you, it has to do with you. So you, you, your listening stops and your defense mechanism kicks in. And in your mind, you're already thinking of the rebuttal before they even finish what they're saying. Right? So now you're already, so you're not even, gonna, they're not even going to get to the end of expressing how they feel before you're already in your mind thinking about what you're going to, and sometimes you don't even wait till they finish, you just jump in. <laughs> Hence, the example. <laughs> We've been married 30 years, we'll get over it. <laughs> right? You just jump in and you say something because you already have the answer and you already have nobody. Instead of listening to the person. You know, one of the most terrible responses to someone sharing, especially your spouse, someone sharing with you how they feel is telling them they shouldn't feel that way. Just because you think they shouldn't feel that way doesn't mean that they shouldn't feel that way. Just because you may not understand why they feel that way. Just because you're rolling your eyes because they're drowning in a glass of water and you think that they shouldn't be going through that. Because come on, that's ridiculous. If you only knew what I've been through. But it's not about you. They're the ones speaking right now. They're communicating. You need to be what? Listening. You have one mouth and two ears. Listen twice as much as you talk. Listening requires you to look past the communication style and find the message in what they're saying. You need to understand them from their point of view. Get into their shoes for a minute. Listen to their needs and concerns and reassure them that you understand what they are saying. All of this happens before you even respond. Let me say that again. All of this should happen <laughs> before you even respond. Listen, try to understand Some of the best advice on communication is found in James chapter 1, verse 19, New Living Translation. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, that be me and you, be quiet, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Once you get angry, you're no longer listening. You're angry. You may be listening, but you're only listening because you're, you're only using what's coming in to load your weapon, to get, use it as ammo to go back at them. That's what you're doing with that. Instead of listening and trying to be understanding. Do you want me to move on to number two? 
<laughs> yes, let's move on, please. You've communicated enough. Number two, conflict resolution. I call this rules of engagement. If you're not having an argument with your spouse, you're doing something wrong. You don't have a passionate enough relationship. Oh, we get along great. We've been married 20 years, and we've never had an argument. Oh, when you do have it, it's going to be the end of the world. <laughs> been holding on to stuff for 20 years. When it happens, that big mushroom cloud, that's it. Right? right? When it happens, man, it's going to be bad. We're supposed to, in fact, when we do premarital counseling, we encourage them to argue. We try to give them situations where they talk to each other, and when they talk to each other, they, they, you know, we want them to argue. And then when they come back after they argue, we ask, did you guys get into an argument? Yes. And then we're like, oh, yeah, I want to hear it. Right? That's the best part is I want to hear what the argument was about and how it went and who, you know, who did this and who did that, who said this and, Right? See, conflict is a normal part of relationships, no matter what type of relationship it is, whether it's your spouse, your family, your friends, your co-worker, even casual acquaintances. You're going to have friction. There's going to be conflict. See, the conflict is not the issue. How you handle the conflict is, is what's going to determine the outcome. James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Listen to this. I love this version of this scripture in New Century Version. It says, do you know where your fights and arguments come from? I love the Bible. It answers all your questions. Do you not know where your fights and your arguments come from? They come from selfish desires that war within you. You want things, but you don't have them. So you're ready to kill and are jealous of other people, but you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and fight. You do not get what you want because you do not ask God, I am not responsible to provide for you what you want. He is. It is not my... Because the minute you put the responsibility of somebody else putting happiness and putting joy and putting what you need in your life, you put it on them, they're going to fall short, you're going to be betrayed, and it's going to be over with. Because we are, we're men, we're flawed. And women. We're flawed, right? <laughs> Biblically, when you say men, it includes everyone, right? But we can't put that on any, because the minute you do, you're going to be betrayed. That person one day will not give you the satisfaction and the happiness and the joy that you think that you deserve from them. So what do you do? You argue and you fight because you do not get what you want. Seems like arguing in conflict comes from a place of selfishness comes from a place of greed it comes from a place of i need this in rules of engagement when you argue especially between two spouses you win you lose you lose you lose there's no winner and loser when you're arguing there's not about oh i win if you win you lost and if you lose you lose because you're on the same team right you're not you're not you're not competing against each other you're trying to work together Conflict occurs when our desires, our goals, and expectations are counter to those of the person we have a relationship with. 
That's why we try to find people who like the same kind of things and do the same kind of things and, you know, and, and gossip about the same kind of people and talk bad about, right? We want to hang out with those that are uh, struggling with what we're struggling with so that we can either console each other, but in a minute you're going to realize that that's not how relationships should work. If you're with somebody that's dealing with the same thing you are, you should be encouraging each other. That would be number three, but we're not there yet. <clears throat> conflict is really not the problem. It's how we react to the conflict when the conflict occurs. In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, New King James Version, it says, If it is possible, as much as it depends on, say me, <laughs> live peaceably with all men. So who does it depend on? All of a sudden, it's no longer the person you're arguing with's fault. It's yours. You cannot change anybody but yourself. Amen. You cannot change your spouse. You can, you can pray all you want. And you should. You should be praying for your spouse in relationship. Pray all you, but it's their will to change. It's up to them completely. So to make a relationship work, it says here, as long as it depends on me. So now I have, I have something in the game here. So if I can do something and change something in my life to make this relationship work, I'm going to change it because that's the only control I have. That's the only thing that I could do is me. I can only change me. Whether she does or not or whether it doesn't matter. And let me tell you this. It, it may take some time, but as you change and make the relationship work, the other one starts to pitch in. You don't do it with that in, in mind because the minute you do it and you don't get a response, then you stop doing it. You do it whether you get a response or not because you want to make the relationship work. You want to have resolution of conflict. Move on. Number three, encouragement. Encouragement is, a vital, is vital for good relationship. It is like oxygen to the soul. Although encouragement is a necessary component, most people are starving for it. Mark Twain said that he could live for two months on one good compliment. One good compliment, right? Kind of builds you up a little bit. Encouragement. Romans 14, 19. So then let us aim for harmony in the church. <laughs> it says aim for, right? I kind of like, let's aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Right? That's our goal. That's our aim. We're going to aim for harmony. And how many of you know sometimes the aim is off a little bit? But we're aiming for that. We want harmony. And we don't always get that. I mean, if we had harmony in the church, man, whew, that'd be awesome. If we had harmony in our homes, it'd be great. <laughs> right? It'd be awesome. But we aim for that. How do we aim for that? By encouraging each other. By lifting each other up. When somebody comes in and they're drowning, like I said earlier, drowning in a glass of water, you don't go, oh, come on, get over it. Yeah, come on. No. Listen, I understand what you're going through, or I could be understanding for what you're going through, and it's okay that you're feeling that way. It's okay that you're where you're at, but it's not okay that you stay there. I'm going to help you. I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to lift you up out of this hole that you're in. Not, come on, you're a Christian. You shouldn't be feeling that way. No. The best thing, the best thing that I learned in, in the, all the classes of counseling was when someone comes and shares their heart with you, that your response should be, it's okay that you're feeling that. It's okay that you're going through that. You're not alone. 
But as Christians and people of faith, we want to automatically, right? We want to bullet, you know, shoot the bullets of, of Scripture at them and tell them, you know, you, the Bible says, and you shouldn't be feeling that way. No, the Bible's there to encourage you and to get you out of that hole eventually, but somebody's got to go down there and get them. You gotta get out of there. Come on, you're going to be there, and then you just walk off. You have to go down there and get them. And you encourage, or at least throw them a rope, <laughs> right? Something. You got to do something. Not just tell them, why are you in that hole? You're a Christian. You shouldn't be in there. And then walk away. You haven't helped that person at all. It's terrible. You guys still with me? To encourage means we are literally putting courage into the lives of others. To discourage is that you're removing courage from the lives of others. Giving encouragement will spur others in their faith and in their life. Receiving encouragement will give the strength we need to face life's problems and pressures. Number four, grace. (laughs) Settle down in your chairs and get comfy because here it comes. Grace is unmerited favor that we do not deserve. We're good with that because we receive that from God. Our issue is giving that to someone else. Right? I'm good with receiving grace from God. I struggle with giving grace to others. (laughs) Especially in relationships. The greatest example of grace is in the free gift of salvation in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, For by grace, thank you, Lord, you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Thank you for your grace. Grace is not simply something that is received. It is something that should be shared. And, you know, you're not going to have positive relationships without grace. The same as forgiveness, and we're going to cover that in two weeks. But you're not going to have, you have to be able to have grace to, to be able to resolve conflict, to be able to understand, you know, the other, I almost said understand your opponent. Understand. <laughs> yeah, because relationships, sometimes it feels like they're the opponent, right? You know, to understand the person that you're in relationship with. Grace is so important. If you go into a relationship already with grace flowing from you, you, you I can guarantee you that relationship will work. Because you're already being graceful. And when you give grace, you always get it back. Eventually. <laughs> grace forms the foundation of our friendships and sustains our relationships. Sharing grace means we accept people for who they are, not for how they perform. Wow. Amen. 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 <laughs> Sharing grace means we accept people for who they are, not for how they perform. Don't, we want to be, be in relationship and friendly with those that perform well, that make me feel good, that give me what I want, that, you know, right? When I was in the world, whenever I had money and had party supplies, um, <laughs> why are you guys laughing? I used to go to the party store and buy little things to hang on the... I had all kinds of friends. They were coming out of the woodwork. You're not allowed to call me this, but back in those days, my nickname was Chachi because I looked like Scott Bale. 
Back in the day, not anymore. But, yeah, that guy never ages. It's incredible. But they'll go, we're going to go hang out with Chachi. Why? Because he's got party supplies. Right? He hung up streamers, and, and he, he's, got, he's got a little punch bowl, and he's got cake. There's cake. Or brownies. I probably shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. Why are you guys laughing? You guys, huh? You guys are terrible. You should repent. <laughs> repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> so anyway, so I had friends coming out of the woodwork. Why? Because I was providing and supplying something they wanted and they needed at that moment in time. But the moment that I was out of Chi-ching, and there was no more party supplies. All of a sudden, I had no more friends. They weren't friends to begin with, right? And we talk about that was before Jesus, and that was in the world. Listen, that happens in churches everywhere but here. <laughs> I want to say right here, right? We want to hang out with those that provide something for us. Hopefully, it's not par uh, party supplies, <laughs> That provides something for us that makes us feel good, that makes us feel right, that gives us something that we're lacking. Listen, as, and we always say, oh, we're Christians. As Christians, we should be those that are always looking for those that we can provide something for them, not somebody that's going to provide something for me. That's, what, that's who God is. And if we're Christians and we're Christ-like, then Christ-like means that Christ came into the earth for us. He came to give us. So I'm always in search of who can I bless? Who can I help? What do I have that somebody needs that I can pour into their life? Not what have you done for me lately? Dun, 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 right? Back to the party supplies. I heard a phrase the other day. said it, Somebody was talking about a dog or something that, that got hit by a car, unfortunately. And he says, oh, he's, he's as dead as disco. It's like, I haven't heard that phrase because that was my time, disco. You guys are still awing about the dog, and I'm awing about, about the death of disco. Oh, disco is dead. I didn't realize. We have gone off the rails here. When we see others through the grace of the cross, we will see our relationships go to the next level and we will create new and lasting relationships that will be fulfilling for both you and the person you are in relationship with. It requires grace. Second Peter uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 18, New King James says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in this. We, need to all, we don't have it. We need to continue to grow in grace. And how do you do that? When somebody comes and you just want to chop their head off because they're doing something that you feel they probably shouldn't be doing. Believe me, as a pastor, I, I, I have to grow in grace constantly. Because you see those that have been, Christian, been Christians for a couple of years and they're just, they're growing and they're, they're striving and, you know, they're still dealing with stuff. And then you see those that have been in, in Christianity for 30, 40 years and they're still, you know, Paul dealt with that. He says, he told the Corinthians, he goes, I already came through here and gave you milk. I wanted to come back and give you meat. I got to give you milk again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why? Because they weren't growing in the way that he expected them to. But what did he do? He gave them milk again. He didn't say, forget you guys. He offered grace 
and said, okay, you're not ready for meat yet, even though you should be, I'm still, I'll, I'll serve you milk. I'll give you something you don't have to chew. <laughs> and to end, your relationship with God is directly proportional to your relationship you have with people. Love God, love others. Both of those work together. They're not separate. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, 21 in God's Word translation. It says, Christ has given us this command. The person who loves God must also love other believers. In another version it says, if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't love God. That's pretty strong. So how do, we, how do we express our love to God? By loving each other. Right? As a parent, if you have more than one child, if you have several siblings, what brings you the most joy when they're getting along, right? So for that moment in time, you enjoy it and then you, and then you wake up because it wasn't actually happening. Right? It was all a dream. <laughs> and that's not true. They get along. So when they're getting along, when I, even now as adults, you know, I see uh, we still have two of them living with us. And one of them goes into the other room and I hear him playing the guitar and the sister's singing with him and, and all that. I'm like, wow. I, I turn off the TV. I just sit there and listen to them. They don't know I'm listening to them. Huh? I eavesdrop and listen to, you know, or when they talk to each other or, you know, when something's going wrong and they go into each other's room and they share their heart with each other. It's like, look at them. They're getting along. And then somebody throws something at the other. No. <laughs> something breaks. And <laughs> how do we, how do we, in our house, we got two refrigerators. We got one in the garage and one inside. Forget it. You can put your name on anything. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Somebody's going to eat it or drink it or, you know. And then you ask them to replace it and they replace it with something cheaper. It's terrible. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, some members mark something. That stuff tastes like cough syrup. It's gross. I don't drink soda, and it, that stuff's still nasty. Relationships, how important are they? You don't, who wants to be alone? If you want to be alone, you've reached a very bad place in your life. You've become very bitter, and you need help, right? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to it's gonna require a lot of us to be able to have positive relationships like this. So next week we'll cover part three, and then part four is forgiveness, which is uh, where God's really going to minister to us and is uh, going to help us to forgive. Because you, as long as you don't have forgiveness and you're dealing with seeds of bitterness in your heart, your bitterness rejects other people. You're, you ever met people that are just cranky all the time and they're, you know, and, and you know, I said this in the first service, you, you run into people out there that you may not know and you see them behaving a certain way and you judge them and you won't talk to them because I can't believe and look at what that lady's kid is doing and, you know, I, they, they, they need to parent this. And if they had a little TV on their head and it could show you their past, if it could show you what they're going through right now, we would be a lot more gracious to people. But we automatically judge them by the behavior that's coming out of them at that moment in time. And we don't realize they, they have a story. Something is happening in their life. And that's why they're like that. So instead of seeing the, the outside part of, the, of you know, what's bothering you or bothering me, right? 
Sometimes we need to dig a little deeper and say, man, is there anything that I could do to help you? You're obviously struggling. We've done this with, we did this with a waitress once. She came and she was not nice. And it, it, I don't think any of you have ever, if you've worked waitressing, maybe you, you won't serve me. And, and hopefully people are not watching that serve us at restaurants. But waitresses that treat us or waiters that treat us that way, I give them a bigger tip. And sometimes I'll do it in their face. Like I'll hand them, you know, a, a pretty good chunk of money. And I'll say, this is for you. You're obviously struggling with something. Maybe this will help. Right? Because they're not being, I didn't do anything to make them mean. I didn't do anything to make them bitter. So this girl came and she was struggling with something really bad. And we were trying to order and she's like, you know, she's not giving us our, you know, our attention. And everything was just not going well. And she's... Yeah, well, she was all over the place, and, and my wife said, are you okay? She said, yeah. And then we asked again, and he said, you sure? And she started sharing everything she had been through in the last six weeks or five weeks. People in her family dying, and, and ki- I mean, it was, just, it was just one thing after the other. When she, when she started telling us, I almost I was like, we shouldn't have asked, you know? It was like so much, and we prayed with her right there in the restaurant, and she was so grateful. We gave her our card, and, and uh, we told her, you know, if you need anything or whatever. She never called us, but we didn't just, you know, we could have called the manager over and said, that, that waitress is being mean to us. She just found out she was pregnant. You know, and she, yeah, she found out she was pregnant, and there was a bunch of stuff happening in this girl's life, but because we decided to stop for a moment, and our meal wasn't as important as what was, this girl was going through. Yeah, you know, and we've done that in other places. Uh, where you know people have come to the table and they weren't very nice and we asked them and and sometimes they open up and sometimes they don't and uh, remember that one lady it was Olive Garden this was a few years ago and she was I go I go (laughs) she kept coming up and running into people because she was so pregnant and she was struggling man you could tell in her face I said are you okay and she goes I have to work I don't have a husband I don't have you know, my boyfriend left and left me like this. And, and, and you know, and she was just, and I, I go, when do you do? She goes, any moment. I said, should, should you be here? I mean, should you even be working or whatever? And I, I won't tell you, you know, not to sound like I'm bragging. Or I won't tell you how much it was, but we took whatever our dinner was and we doubled it. And we gave her that in cash and said, look, I know it's not a lot, but hopefully this. And she started crying and, you know, and it wasn't the money that made her cry. It was the fact that somebody cared enough to reach out to her. And she had been serving all these other tables. And I'm sure that they were probably like, quit, I don't want to touch your stomach. <laughs> they were, because she couldn't approach the table without running into something. But we decided to, to love on her and, and give to her. And that's how you create relationships. Want one more? I was, <laughs> I was in a Publix. I think it was Publix. And this girl came in and she was, her kids were like, they were going nuts. And everybody's looking at her. I can't believe it. Kids are so unruly. They need to spank him, this, that, and the other. So I, I purposely got behind her in line as she was leaving, and she's digging her change out of her purse and trying to, and I, and I leaned over, and I said, ma'am, just, just keep your money. I told the cashier, I said, just ring that up with mine, and you can, you can go ahead and take your food. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, don't, don't bother. You know, I think she was pulling out food stamps or something. I said, listen, I got it. I'll take care of it. I can, so let me do this. You know, I always, sometimes I have to get upset because people don't want to receive, you know. I said, I can do this. Go, get out of here, you know. Let me feed you, darn it. Come on. Try to give you grace. (laughs) Take my grace. 
<laughs> so we went, I went ahead and, and, and paid for her meal and, she, and for her, all her food that she had at Publix, and she left. It wasn't Publix. I think it was, yeah, it was, the old, pub, the old Publix. It was the, I remember exactly where we were before they built the new one there in Deland, right across. We were in the old one. And she came out, and she's weeping and crying and grabbing her kids, and she's pulling her cart. And my wife's outside waiting, right? So what happens? <laughs> my wife goes, are you okay? Can I help you with something? Right? So she's trying to help her and everything. And she's trying to tell her what just happened inside. So I walk out. She goes, that man, that man right there, that guy right there, he bought all my, she goes, that's my husband. She goes, what? <laughs> she, was, she was crying. She goes, who are you people? <laughs> and we ended up helping her and ministering to her and everything. I think she even, we were in the old church. I think she came to the old church. A couple of times, but man, that's, that's relationship. We want to walk up to somebody and talk to them about their personal relationship with God when we don't even know them. And it, and it is just that, personal relationship with God. We want to be able to preach the gospel and get them saved and say, go and walk away. That's not how it works. Jesus was relational. He sat with people, with the wine bibbers, and he sat with the tax collectors and the sinners. He went to eat with them. He didn't say, I got to get saved. You got to get saved first. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to go home and clean up your house a little bit before I show up because I'm Jesus. You know, you got to put away those magazines and, you know, and, and, and all the stuff that you got there. You got to kind of clean up a little bit because I'm coming over. He didn't do that. He says, I'm coming to your house to eat. That's it. And he went and he hang out with them. And even the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees and the Levites and the, and the priests, they all said, look at him. He's hanging out with those sinners. And what did he, he became relational with them. How did he preach to the disciples when he said, this is my body and this is my blood? After he had created a relationship, sat down at a dinner table with them, and then he expressed that I'm about to die for you. He didn't just show up and say, hey, I'm going to die for you. You better be there that day. And, you know, if you get it, if you get it, you get it. If not, man, hell is a bad place. See you later. <laughs> he didn't do that. He hung out with them. He, you know, he hung. You never see him. Very few times you see him when, he, when he's in the temple. Like he hung out when he was 12 for a little while. And then when he's older, he reads out of Isaiah, you know, and then he sits down <laughs> and uh, up front. And that was like big blasphemy. They, after that, they tried to kill him and throw him off a cliff and everything because of that. But the people he hung out with, the sinners, they never went out, you know. They, they, were, just, they were just in awe. Like, this guy heals people, and he, he just he meets our needs. Don't send them home. Sit them in groups of 50. We'll feed them right here. See, he could have just said, yeah, send them to, send them to town. They got to go get something to eat. There's 5,000 more people, more than 5,000 people here. And he told his disciples, no, 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 sit them down. We'll feed them. Why? Because he was relational. He wanted to meet the needs of the people. You know why it was groups of 50? When you got 5,000 people all hanging out in one big group, you're not very relational. Right? You put them in small groups everywhere and people start to talk to each other and they become more relational. It's all about relationship. It is the most important command. The most. To love God and love others. Amen? Stand to your feet this morning. We love you, Father. We just glorify your name, Lord. We thank you for relationship, Father. We thank you, Lord, that first of all, we have a relationship with the Almighty God that is holy and creator of heaven and earth. Lord, what a thing to have a relationship with us. 
sinners and those who have fallen short, yet you want to have a relationship with us, Father. And because of that, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and you gave us grace. Yes, thank, you, Lord. thank you, Father. Lord, I just pray that as these words sink in and these things, that you would strengthen our marriages and strengthen our relationship with our siblings and relationship with our children, with our friends, with our co-workers, with our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, Lord. Help us to uh, do these things to strengthen Lord, our relationship. Help us to be relational as we reach out to the, to the harvest and to those that are lost out there, that we would understand that they're people that you love just as much as you love us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.